Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. We are going to tonight finish up on our four-part series, um, and a five-part series, <laughs> um, on the life, the prof- a prophetic look at the life of David for everything a season. Uh, we are in the Bethlehem season, and we've learned a lot in the Bethlehem season. It is a season that really teaches us about faithfulness in small things. And so last week, we looked at two additional areas that we needed to learn that is is very indicative and very true of this Bethlehem season. And one is peculiar preparation. We talked about how a lot of times that what God is using to prepare us looks nothing like what he's taking us to. And we gave the example of of David as a shepherd and he's defeating a lion and and, and a bear and all these animals, but he was not, God wasn't preparing him to do hand-to-hand combat and to fight and, uh, wild animals. He was preparing him to be king. And so when, when these bears and lions were coming about, it wasn't so much about a test of his strength, but was he willing to be faithful over small things? In other words, if I can trust you to risk your life to save a sheep, then I know I can trust you to risk your life to save my people. But wouldn't that be, it doesn't, it doesn't look like, I gave the example from the Karate Kid when he was learning to become a champion. And, and, and uh, Mr. Miyagi had him doing the wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And he's like, why do you have me doing chores? I, I came here to fight, I wanna be a fighter. And you have me cleaning your car. But all along, he was being prepared for greatness. And so all week, I had to listen to my own words. And then I would run into a member, they say, just wax on, wax off, wax To realize, God, even in all of this, you're doing something. And I think the thing we can get caught up is trying to understand. And I don't think that's where God wants us. He wants us to trust him enough that no matter what he allows in our life, he's got a plan. And that's from the week before that we had to learn in, Beth, in the Bethlehem season. He had a plan, he has a plan, and that he's intentional about your life. So not only did we talk about peculiar preparation, we talked about something that is very painful, and that is rejection. And, and, and when you've experienced rejection, no matter how spiritual you are, it can bring tears to your eyes. And you can say all over again, you know, I know God has something better, I know God's going to be, but rejection can be painful. And, and we talked specifically about two types of rejection last week. We talked about those of us sometimes who don't know us, they overlook us. You know, maybe we don't look the part. We don't, we, don't, we don't have the right hair color or the right degree or the right stature or the right height or the right weight or right. It's always something that they can, they overlook us. Or sometimes those of us, people who know us, they underestimate us. I mean, it's the exact opposite. One that know us won't give us a chance and somebody knows us and they won't give us a chance. And so you you can deal with that spirit of rejection, but we learn even in that, God is still working. 
because even when Samuel overlooked David, thinking that it had to be one of his, one of these handsome, tall, strong, older brothers, and then his father completely underestimated, not even inviting him to the party where Samuel was, when God has something for you, it really doesn't matter if man rejects you. Because God is going to make sure that his purposes in your life are going to be fulfilled. And so that's what can make you rest easy, even in the midst of man's rejection, because you know your God is up to something great in your life. There's never a season, as we said, even though they're changing and ever evolving, there's never a season where God's trying to undo you or destroy you. And now it may feel like it, and if you read some of David's psalms, he, you can hear sometimes his gut-riching agony in different seasons of his life, but not one time was God trying to undo him. And that's why he said, except I had believed. He said, I would have lost heart. I would have quit. I would have given up except for this one thing, that I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do we believe we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? I mean, I know we're going to see it in the sweet by and by, but do we believe that God has something good for us while we're yet breathing? on this side of eternity. And I mean, that, that's, I have my, my go-to scriptures and that's one of them. And it's just like, except I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So David said, I came to a revelation, wait on the Lord. And don't just wait grumbling and mumbling, wait and be of good courage. Be of good courage, he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so now this week, as we conclude this series, as part of this series, we get to the final stage in this Bethlehem season. And it's just one last stage. We're not going to cover two this week, but it's a loaded stage. And it's a stage that I think sometimes is often misinterpreted and misunderstood. But the last stage is that life-changing anointing. Let's go back to where we left off. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to pick up in verse 10 this time. We should know this by, this could almost be a memory verse. We've read it so many times over these last four weeks. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, the runt. And behold, he's tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. So he brought him in. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, here it comes, anoint him, for this is he. And that's like what we've been, that, that's, that's that moment. That's that shouting moment. It finally, it's like, his, his time has come. And it says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Huh. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. The message Bible says the spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. That at that moment, at that moment, 
in the Bethlehem season, in his faithfulness and small things, God anointed him for what he needed for the rest of his life. And the, I mean, it, it's, it's like, it reminds me, the, the language reminds me of the day of Pentecost. When, when, when they were praying and seeking the face of God and, and it says and the, the spirit of the Lord came in like a rushing mighty wind and it just it consumed them. And this is the image that I have of David that he's here dirty and ruddy coming out of taking care of the sheep. And right here the, the oil is poured on him. It's obvious that the spirit of the Lord has, uh, has endowed him and his life is physically, emotionally, everything is changed in a moment. Finally, after all that he's, he's seen and done and experienced. And the reason I say this season can be misinterpreted because sometimes we don't realize the distance between our anointing in Bethlehem and our appointment in Zion. Yes, this is what did it, but do you realize that it would be another 23 years before he would sit on the throne of Israel. At that moment, the Bible says he had everything he needed for the rest of his life. But for 23 years, he waited. The anointing was there, the gifting was there, the calling was there, the approval was there everything that he needed, but his time had not yet come. And so, as we always start there, that means that there's lessons for us to be learned yet again. <laughs> I, say, I, I love it, there's always a lesson for us to be learned. So what's the first thing that we can understand in our life-changing anointing? We're gonna look at another scripture. Let's turn back to 1 Samuel 16 where we were, but we're gonna read down a little bit further. So this time, 23 years. So this, imagine this moment. Remember this Pentecostal, for lack of a way to put it, an Old Testament Pentecostal movement. I mean, I mean, the anointing of God falls on David. He has everything he needs to lead the people, to be a father, to be a, to whatever God had called him to do, he got in that one moment. But do you know where David went right after God had set him and anointed him? Let's look, because scripture tells us it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't hide where he went. So this life-changing moment, look where he ended up. Let's go back to verse Samuel 16. Just to, to summarize real quick, starting in verses 14. Verses 14 to 17, just to summarize it real quick, Saul had gone completely crazy. That's what that, that whole, that, that little section is. He had lost it a long, long time ago, but now he has just really lost it, lost it. Because God's spirit has been removed from him. And whenever you allow the spirit of God and the plan of God to be removed from your life, it only makes room for one other spirit to come in. And that's the thing that we have to be careful with, saints of God. We can't dabble in the things of the world and don't think it's going to affect us. How can light and dark dwell in the same? They cannot. And so when we dabble in evil, evil begins to take a place in our life. And it had now consumed Saul, and he had lost it. And so they, they, he had an idea. He's like, this, I'm being tormented. I, I'm being harassed. I'm, all this is going on, and I, I need something to calm my spirit. And so he said, I need a skillful musician to come and calm my spirit. Now, when David 
is selected to be that skilled musician. This is actually the first part of the next season. It's not in the Bethlehem season, but we're reading this for a particular reason. Go down and let's pick up in verse 18. It says that one of the young men said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who's a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man. They were really into looks. And the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David. And these are the last words I want us to focus on, who is with the flock. Guess where David went after that Holy Ghost, mighty anointing, calling down, empowering him for the rest of his life. He went back to the sheep. He went back to his sheep. I mean, can you imagine something like that happening? You know, it, it, it's like, imagine it's like the director, think of your, your dream job, if you're in technology, the, the, the owner, Bill Gates comes to you and he says, I want you, you're the one, you're the person that I've been looking for, I, you have the skills, I, I, you were it. And the next day you go right back to your job at Kmart as, as a cashier. And he said, but you are the one. And you clock in and you clock out and you clock in and you all along, you know, he's, you're the one. You're the one I've been waiting on. You are it. No one else is in competition, but you're right back where you've always been. And you're waiting. And so this is the, the phase that, that David, David is in. He, he now, some things have been solidified in his life, but he's still with the sheep. He's still with the sheep. So how do we deal with having a kingly anointing, taking care of sheep. When you know that that's the season that God has us in. So here's the lesson. Number one, you have to understand in this season, in this life-changing anointing, there is definitely a confirmation of your call and your purpose. That's what happened when David was anointed. But here's the thing. It's confirmed. Undoubtedly, just like the example I gave you, you got, you got the dream job. You're going to be making the money you never thought you would be able to make. It's yours. Everything changed in a, in a, in a moment, in an instant. But here's the challenge. Everything changed, but everything still looks the same. I mean, everything changed, and it looks the same. Samuel has come to your house, the most famous man of all of Israel. He's like, you're it, you're God's chosen, you're anointed. And you go right back to your dirty sheep. And so what is God trying to say to us in this? Don't question the call of God on your life just because things don't look right. I said, don't question the call and the anointing on your life just because it doesn't look right. Because it just looks too, I feel like this is the same old stuff I've been, uh, ain't, and you know how that happens with us sometimes, anybody ever been to like a really powerful like worship revival service? Yeah, you have, because we've had them here. <laughs> ain't nobody said amen. You know those Sunday mornings, I mean service is always good, the spirit is always high, the word is always, but then you have those Sundays where you're like, I mean literally, you cannot stand. You're like, mm, 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 wish I had worn pants, mm, you know, those kind of like, I mean, where you, I mean, I mean, it's like God is just, the thickness of it is a little bit, I mean, it's just like, I mean, you're overwhelmed. 
and you can feel God moving, you feel God speaking, you hear his spirit, he's comforting you, you're crying, you're in worship, and then you go home. And everything looks exactly the same as it did when you left that morning. And then you're like, whatever, oh my gosh. And then you say, I just must have got caught up in my emotions and got caught. No, God said, I did something. I spoke something. You got to rest in that even if it still looks the same. When he says, I am the head and I am not the tail, even if I still look like the tail, I have to lift myself up and realize that I've been called the head. And that's what happens. We get caught up in those moments and then things, life happens. We go to work the next day, then it's really like, oh, my God, never mind. And then by the time Wednesday comes, we need to, it's like, oh, oh, I just got caught up. Somebody will speak a word over our life, and if it don't come to pass by next Thursday, we're like, mm, that wasn't God. We don't give, we don't give, now we want God to forgive us and give us all the time in the world. But God, if you said, come on, come on with the come on. And we, I mean, and we, I mean, in that moment, just think, and y'all know I'm telling the truth, that moment you're like, the tears are flowing, you're praying in the spirit, and I mean, you're moving, and then it's like, one day, yeah, God, I believe you. Next week, in Jesus' name, I believe it. I know I still believe it. Then, well, God, do what you're going to do. God, do however you're going to bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. And we stop making those affirmations and those declarations. And so what we learn in this Bethlehem season, if God has called you to something, if he's put his seal of approval on you, and he said, this is for you, this is where I need you to be, this is where I need you to go, even if it doesn't look like anything has changed, rest in his affirmation of your life. Rest in his declaration of who you are and what he's called you to. It's okay if you got to go back to the sheep for another month, another year, another two years, another five years. Just rest in the fact that you know God's call is on your life. Now here's the thing, the next thing in this life-changing anointing. And this is something I really had to learn because I'm telling you, when we get caught up, I mean, it's an awesome moment. But when it comes right down to it, it's just another season of preparation. <laughs> we don't come right back to another season of preparation. Now, just because we know what God has called us to and we know what he's declared over our life, it doesn't mean that one day we get a call and the next moment we're ready to walk in it. Now, I'm just using this as an example because it's one that I'm most familiar with is when people acknowledge a call of God in their life to preach or to minister. The next day, they're ready to start a church. Now, I'm not saying that it's not in them to start a church or it's not in them to, but it's like there's a preparation time. And then sometimes when, when, when we talk to people and even in this position and you, you say God is preparing you, they don't want to hear Anything about preparation, they want to, they, I got to, but I got to call. And you can say, I can affirm your call, but there's a preparation season. How do you know that there's a preparation season? I'm going to give you an excellent example. The best example in all of scripture. Turn to Luke chapter 1. 
This is the perfect example that we, in this season, even after you know your call, know your know and affirm, I know this is what God has called me to do. There's still some things that he has to work in you to prepare you to effectively walk in that call. Now, how did I get from David all the way to Jesus? Well, they're related. <laughs> Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 31. It says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and, he, and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Now this is before Jesus has even been born and who he is and the role that he's going to serve in the salvation of humanity has already been settled in the heavens. So that means he can just come and he's ready to go, right? And it just keeps going as we go through Luke. Y'all, we know the Christmas story. And we had the shepherds and the angels. Everyone's proclaiming. They're looking for this baby. They know that he's the Messiah. But even in that, go all the way down. Same Luke 2, go all the way down to verse 52. It says, and Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Say Jesus now. Jesus. The one and only Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus knew who he was. We knew who he was. The call on his life was clear. But there was still a season of preparation that he had to go through. It didn't make him any less called. It didn't make him any less anointed. But he, a perfect God, perfect in every way, still God allowed him to go through a season of preparation before he would walk in his divine calling and purpose. But for some reason, we think we don't have to go through that. And we are far from Jesus perfect. Because preparation really isn't to torture you. It's so that when you get to Zion, you'll be able to survive Zion. I said that when you get to that place, this season of preparation gives you what you need to survive your blessing. And see, we never think of surviving our blessing, but even in the blessings, God said, there's something that I'm going to still be pulling out of you. And what I'm allowing you to experience now is preparing you for greater. But we got to deal with it. Because sometimes we end up back with the sheep until that time comes. But preparation. The next thing in this season, that, 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 that anointing, it occurs in the midst of those who rejected you. It says, and Samuel poured the oil over him in the midst of his brothers. And Samuel was there, because remember, he was not just rejected by his brothers and his father, but Samuel, too, overlooked him. And right in the midst of those who rejected you comes your anointing. Now, I know we kind of want to say, huh, that's not the point of it, okay? And I probably have ever, I've probably, I know at some point in my life taught it that way, that now, see, Y'all tried to talk about me. Y'all said I wasn't good enough. Now, look, 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 look. 
See, I showed them. This, this has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. When God allows an anointing to come on your life in the midst of those who rejected you, it's not to show you off, it's to show him off. Because when it came right down to it, you really weren't qualified. You really weren't. There really was somebody more qualified. There was somebody taller. There was somebody with more education. There was somebody who was more attractive. There was somebody with more experience. And yeah, you may have been, but right now, God said, in spite of all of that, I have chosen her. I have chosen him. And when that happens, the enemy can do nothing but stand back in amazed about how awesome God is in your life. So you got to remember that he's like, uh-uh, I'm going to do this. Right in the midst of those who said you could never do it, he said, I'm going to show them that you can. Or the ones who didn't even say that you couldn't do it, they just didn't think you were even a viable candidate. You know, you can reject somebody and not be mean. You know, and so the whole thing is God said, I just want to show my power through your life. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned in these last few years is that everything that, that God allows that may be difficult and challenging for us, it's to reveal who he is on a level we've yet to experience. And so it comes right in the midst, not to show off, but to affirm once and for all that God is for you. The last thing. And this is so important in this season. It trains you to find your identity in your God and not in your gift. It trains you to find your identity in your God and not in your gift. When David had to go back to taking care of sheep, he had to rest in the fact of who God had always been in his life. Now, sometimes we can come into settings like this and environments like this, and when you are so anxious, seriously, for someone to see your giftedness and what you can do, you have a, 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 you're striving, and the Bible tells us to cease striving. The Bible says, and your gift will make room for you. You don't have to make room for your gift. But you've got to define, you've got to define and understand your identity and who your God is and that in which your giftedness is. I share that from a personal experience because I've been through very different seasons in my life. I've been a pastor, I've been not a pastor. I've been employed, I've been unemployed. I've had, there are times when, when I, I, I Last, I remember there was a season where I was doing a retreat here and doing a retreat here, and I, was, I, was, I felt I was in my zone and I was in my element, and God was giving me opportunity after opportunity. And then I've gone years where no, no phone call came, no email came, no offer came. It was just me. But you know what? The calling, the anointing, the gifting, whatever, it was still there. If I get caught up, and, and, and who is calling and what I have the opportunity, whether I'm preaching or not, whether I'm speaking or not, whether I'm serving or not, the, the calling and gifts of God are irrevocable. 
But if I'm caught up in the gift and caught up in the calling and caught up in the anointing, when I'm not able to operate in the call or operate in that gift, then I begin unsettled. But when my biggest thing is to serve a great God and to honor him in everything I do, that means in season, out of season, God is still good and I'm okay. When I came here, I wasn't a pastor. People called me pastor, but I wasn't a pastor. I took new members class. I sat through class just like you all did. It was a season. Now, I could have been caught up in, well, I don't need to take new members class. I know God. I know the Bible. I can tell you salvation. Give me a test. I'll pass it. But that wasn't the season that God had me in. Do you understand me? And see, sometimes we get so caught up in where we've been and what God has called us to do. God said, humble yourself enough to let me work you through this season in your life. Don't worry about the gift. Focus on me. I got to show them. I got to prove. You don't have to show anybody anything. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. You have to rest confident that God is always going to be God. And if you allow him to penetrate every fiber of your being, no matter what season you're in, in abundance, in lack, in plenty, in, in anything, God can show you favor. You are not successful because of the anointing on your life. You're successful because he called you out of darkness into light. David had to get that. How do I know he had to get that? Because it would be 20 some odd years before he could walk in his calling. And he knew what it was. Now some of us struggle, I don't know what God has called me to do. And that's okay to be in that season too. But can you imagine knowing? I mean, you know. You know. This is what God has called me to. I know this is my passion. I know that this is where, and you, and, and nothing. So what, you're going to wait 20 years to have peace? Do you, you get what I'm saying? You're going to wait 20 years to be able to laugh? To enjoy your family? To go and just enjoy, waiting for your opportunity, waiting for your big break, waiting for someone to recognize you, waiting for somebody to see your gifts, waiting for somebody to call. God said, no, you rejoice in who I am in you. He said, the gift. He said that's not what makes you. What makes you is me, not your gift. So it's okay. If you are still with the sheep, it's okay but I'm a king. We know it's so good. I know. But it's a lot God wants to do before that. I want you to turn to Psalms 139. I'm going to end five minutes early because I know we have baptismal candidates tonight. Amen? Yeah. That's a good thing. Amen? Yeah. Psalms 139. Ooh, the word of God is so sweet. I'm going to read it. I was going to read in the message. I'm going to go ahead and read in the New American Standard just so we can all follow along together. Amen? Amen. It says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And even if you don't read this, I want you to hear this in the depths of your soul. 
you know when I sit up and when I, you, I'm sorry, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you. No matter where I am, no matter what season I'm in, no matter who loves me, no matter who doesn't, no matter who rejects me, no matter who sees, no matter what. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Fearfully and wonderfully made. When David is talking about all of this, he didn't mention anything about his gift. He didn't mention anything about his calling. It doesn't mean he didn't deny it. It doesn't mean he didn't acknowledge it. His focus was, I just want to be all God's. God, I want, you to, I want all of you, and I want you to have all of me. And he would just stop and be in amazement of what God is doing and saying and speaking in his life. As we've been talking about seasons, and, and this is the thing, when I say it doesn't matter what season you're in, it really doesn't because God is God of all of it. I say God is God of all of it. And so even if we're now you're at this place where you have experienced the glorious anointing of God, and you're like, man, it's settled. Even though it's settled, there's still a waiting period. There's still a preparation period. But this is the thing we got to do, saints. Don't let go of the promises of God. Amen. Just because you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and then you have a naysayer over here and a naysayer over there, because God's plans for your life are intentional. There's a song, which I'm not going to sing. <laughs> Remember, we know our gifts, know your callings. Amen. But I can read the words to it. And it's by Colton Dixon. So you may not have heard of it, but it's just one of those, those things. And it, recently, just some things. And sometimes I can just, sometimes I cry, and I don't even know why I'm crying. I think sometimes I literally, I'm just overwhelmed by the presence of God in my life. I mean, in spite of, in the midst of, it's just, it can be, if you stop and think about it, it's overwhelming. And, and the words of this song says, there are days I've taken more than I can give. And there are choices that I made that I wouldn't make again. I've had my share of laughter, of tears and troubled times. This has been the story of my life. I have won and I have lost. I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I did not. Life's been a journey. 
I've seen joy. I've seen regret. But you have been my guide through all of it. You were there when it all came down on me. And I was blinded by my fear. And I struggled to believe. But in those unclear moments, you're the one keeping me strong. So this is how my story always gone. I have won and I have lost. I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I did not. Life's been a journey. I've seen joy. I've seen regret. But you have been my guide through all of it. Bethlehem. It's okay to be in Bethlehem. God is working something in this season of faithfulness in small things. The things that you don't think anybody's looking at, be faithful. The things that you don't think matter, be faithful. The things that annoy you, be faithful. The things that you just cannot get, God said, be faithful because Zion is coming, but not for a while, but it's coming. That's what David could rest in. Even when he had to go back out with the sheep, at least he knew. He said, I may be here now, but I know it's another place for me sometime. Sometimes it's just enough to know that God, I know this is not my final resting place, but why I'm here, I'm gonna make you look good. In every season, can we stand on our feet? Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.